is full of amazing stories, and the purpose of this podcast is to collect those stories from the people that lived them. Where We Landed is a podcast that recognizes our whole story, told by the individuals that live and love this small Indiana county. Hello, and welcome to Where We Landed, a podcast uh, that tells the amazing stories of the cool people that choose to make Grant County their home. I am Iris Brunner, and I am joined today with Alicia Hazelwood. Hello, hello. And Kylie Jackson. Hey, everybody. We've got a fun program today, but I know we're back on to some trivia. So, Kylie. I'm here uh, to be your question reader. And Scott's not here, so we're taking him down, Iris. I know. Well, but one of these times we're going to have to, we're going to have to ask Kylie some questions. Well, that's why I asked the questions. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to beat you guys too Yeah, okay, okay. Show off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Run the board. Yeah, I wouldn't want like Jeopardy to call and take me away because I I just want to stay on our little little show here. This could be like a, like a interview for you. Like maybe, I mean... I oh, I could, still I could be the, the reader on Jeopardy? Could, yeah. The, yeah. The new Alex Trebek. I only stumble over <laughs> a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up with words. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, the current score, uh, Scott is leading with five. But mm-hmm. he's played twice. But he's played twice. You have both played once. Mm-hmm. Um, and you both have two. Mm-hmm. Our guests still have not scored. So, Carol, the bar's not very high, but I think you can I think you can get us on the get we'll the guest see. on the board this week. As a retired teacher, <laughs> I, I was say probably geography. probably gonna just go put us out. I'm gonna feel very judged mm. by Carol. Like, you should have learned this in school. Yeah, she's yeah. coming for the ge- geography one because we have not done well in geography. <laughs> okay. Ready? Okay. Sure. We'll, uh, we'll do six questions. Like I said, this is just Trivial Pursuit. We're going to do the whole card. So it's a, a hodgepodge of questions here. Number one. What was the first building in the world to have more than 100 floors? Empire State Building. Yes. yes. Well done, Iris. Okay. In 2005, 2006, and 2008, Paul Rogers toured as vocalist with which legendary British band? Fleetwood Mac. No. Dang it. Rolling Stones. No, no they're not British. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, yeah, are that they? was my first thought. Was oh, I didn't know Fleetwood Mac was British. Yeah. They are. Is it the Beatles? No. Oh. Mm. The Eagles. Not the King. Legendary. Not Queen. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Elvis? <laughs> not British. <laughs> Mick Fleetwood. Fleetwood Mac started in mm. England. Oh, Oh, the more you know. know Favorite band. Question three. What crayon color did Crayola rename Peach in 1962? Flesh tone. Yes. Was it really called that? It was called called Flesh. Oh, all right. All right, Alicia. The the decision was spurred in part by the civil rights rights movement. Maybe we need to form an alliance. Maybe we'll work together. Girls against Scott? No, we'll run. We'll run. (laughs) Listen, we'll run up your score, Alicia. Oh. All right. We got it. Shh, you might listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing that. No, that's not <laughs> what's happening. Is it two to one? Yes. yes. Okay. Question four. What type of tree grows in the land where the owl and the pussycat arrive after they'd sailed away for a year and a day? Okay. So this is clearly a children's story. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I think AL, I think it's like American literature. Mm -hmm. What type of tree grows in the land where the owl and the pussycat arrive after they'd sailed away for a year and a day? Peach. (laughs) (laughs) Honey. (laughs) Tulip. So we don't know. We don't know the story. Something that needs to rhyme, maybe. I know, but I can't think of anything. (laughs) It's a children's book. Cherry blossom. Yeah, the answer is bong. Bong. (laughs) I never got there for that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I got nothing. I don't think that's a children's story. We should have asked our parents, Kylie. (laughs) Strike that question. Strike it. Okay, question five. Okay. I'm interested what book that is now. Yeah, I know. Question five. What plant feature is also slang for a gullible person? That's a fun little play on words. Feature for a gullible person. Plant feature. Plant feature, gullible person. Oh gosh, I don't even have a guess. I'm well, I'm thinking guess. of like yeah. inside a flower, whatever that thing is inside a flower, but I can't remember what it's called. A gullible um, person. Like a sty or a... Yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, but that's not the answer. <laughs> no. It's a key component of maple syrup. Sap. Sap. Uh, Carol got it. Carol got that one. Uh, okay, last question. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of like stems and physical things. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the more usual name for the musical note known as a half note? Unusual name. And? It says the more usual name, oh, but usual. I've never heard it called this. Sharp, mm-hmm. flat, a half note. I don't know. I got nothing. A minim. Yeah, never heard. M i n i m. Ah, just give it to Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> give it no. a point. <laughs> no, I want to beat him fair and square. Okay, All so right. it was I got two, two one two. one. Yeah, so the one. final standings right now, not final. We have a couple more weeks. We'll be Scott five, Alicia with four, Iris with three, three and our guest with one. Very good. All right. You I'll, got him on the board, Carol. <laughs> I'll turn it over now to Alicia to introduce our guest today. So I am super excited to introduce our guest for today. She is known in our community as one of the best teachers you could have at Marion Community Schools. Her name is Carol Sector. And I actually don't think I ever had you in school, but I got to know you after as we're adults and stuff like that. And um, you've just been a mentor and supporter of mine in the United Way. And you do so much in the community. So we knew we wanted to have you on. So thank you for coming on and uh, spending a little bit of time chatting with us. So tell us, how did you end up here in Grant County? Are you a lifer? Did you grow up outside the community? And how did you get here? I grew up in Wells County. I went to Ball State to school. Um, and when I graduated, I was looking for jobs. <laughs> um, I taught social studies secondary. Um, And at that time, most people who hired a social studies teacher wanted a coach. Ah, interesting. Um, So there was a lot of competition. That was always the first question. And can you coach? And what would you coach? Hmm. Um, But Marion called. I 
I had done my student teaching here, working with Jack Colescott, who will (laughs) always have a piece of my heart. Um, He was... He was a coach. I was going to say a legendary coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the classroom every day, he was one of the finest teachers I have ever seen. So it was a wonderful experience. Um, and so Marion called, offered me a position at McCullough teaching seventh grade social studies. And I thought I was coming to the big city. Oh, yeah. From Southern Wells, I'm sure that did feel like the big city. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So did you move into the Marion community then from Wells County or did you commute back and forth? I I moved in, found an apartment Mm -hmm. with another teacher um, and have been here ever since. since. (laughs) It wasn't really my goal. I was going to teach for two or three years and then probably move on somewhere else, but I never ended up wanting to do that. So I was I gonna say, yeah. so what changed that plan? Um, probably a lot of things. Um, for one thing, at the point that I started teaching, Marion was a very much a growing community. Mm-hmm. The school system was growing. Uh, Marion was hiring about 100 teachers a year. Wow. Mm. Which sounds incredible now. Right. But the result of that, which sometimes I worry about with new teachers now, there were tons of new teachers in the community. So it was easy to make friends. It was easy to find people to do things with. Um, So that was one thing. There were a lot of People around. Hmm. Um, I'm probably similar in age at the time. Yeah, the same, about the same age, same career path. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of what kept me here was the friends. Um, I ended up loving the job. Um, I didn't know a lot about the community at the time. And the first two or three years, I was so into trying to figure out what to do in the classroom the next day that I didn't learn a lot for a little (laughs) while about the community, but there were just, it seemed to me a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities. Mm. So what made you decide to go into teaching and specifically social studies? I'm always interested how people end up in their career paths. Well, Excuse me, I have a little frog in my throat. Um, At the time I chose my career, there weren't a lot of, there weren't the options that you had. Um, But I always, I always just thought I wanted to be a teacher. I always had great teachers. I went to a little tiny school, um, 13 in my graduating class, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Although I always tell people that John Lytle was in the same school, Ooh, so wow. I, mean, uh, I did not know that he was older than I was, of oh. course. But, <laughs> um, so I came from a little tiny school, but I always thought, in spite of that, I had really good teachers, and mm. so it just seemed like a good career path for me. Yeah. 
So, and talk about the age group that you taught to. Um, I currently have a child in that age group and I am learning every single day. So to have a classroom full of, you know, um, pre-adolescent, adolescent children. Actually, Iris, I love that. Oh, good, good. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when I went into teaching, I thought I wanted to teach high school, but then everybody who studies secondary whatever, math, social studies, they almost always want to teach at high school. Mm. Um, And I did too. But once I started working with seventh graders, um, I think the thing that fascinated me so much about them is that in one minute, they wanted to be treated like an adult. And if you didn't, they were offended. Mm. But then in the next minute, they wanted to star on their paper. So, <laughs> I want my sticker. <laughs> it was just like walking into the classroom of 30 kids each mm-hmm. period and saying, okay, who's going to show up today? Yeah. Is it going to be the... So it was an adventure every yeah. day. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, they're better thinkers than people ever give them credit for. Mm-hmm. So I like seventh grade. I never left seventh grade. I moved from McCullough to Justice because they had a seventh grade social studies position when they opened that building. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, whenever I, I often encounter somebody that will just walk up to me and they'll say, I bet you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I always say, Yes, I do. I had you in seventh grade social studies. <laughs> <laughs> and they are just amazed. She remembered me. I, I, yeah. I, and I have to say now, you're going to have to remind me, was it McCullough or Justice? Mm-hmm. But Then you can so, narrow it down some. I, I, like I always that. wonder that because <laughs> my grandma taught sixth grade English and she kind of had the same thing. People would come up to her and it just always, just having conversations with her, she would remember, she didn't always remember their name, um, but she always remembered at least their face, and then with a little help, remembered their name. I always wonder that about teachers. How do? Well, nobody ever comes up to you and says that, starts with that kind of a question, mm-hmm. unless there's somebody you had in class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They always come up and, hey, I- I'll bet you don't remember me. <laughs> That's how I am with Senorita Bailey. Like, she'll always be Senorita Bailey to me, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So you came from this super small community and you came to the big city of Marion (laughs) and you've seen Marion change over the years and definitely within teaching, going from McCullough to Justice um, in the environments and how Marion has changed. Um, What other than that friend network and being with that same group of teachers, um, what are some of the things that kept you here in Marion and Grant County um, all of these years to where even now that you've retired, you're still active and giving back? Well, I, I prefer living in a diverse community for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there's no question, but what Marion has challenges. Mm-hmm. They had them when I came and started teaching, they have them today. Some of them, unfortunately, are the same mm-hmm. challenges yeah. that we have yet not yet solved. Um, but for every challenge I've ever seen in this community, 
there are wonderful people working to make things better. Um, and I very much like that about a community. I know there are communities in this country where everything is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I never wanted to live in one of those. Um, I mean, to me, that's not what community is. It's about a lot of different people mm-hmm. learning to work together. But I, I guess in some ways the challenges kept me but the opportunities and seeing people work hard to address those challenges, that probably was even more significant. Yeah. Carol, how many years did you, did you teach? Because I, I know there was a transition at some point. I want to talk about that, but I want to know how many years you taught first. I taught three years at McCullough. I moved to Justice when it opened, taught for four years, and then... A principal and a superintendent that I worked with talked me into getting my administrator's license Mm -hmm. and moving into curriculum and instruction. So I worked out of the central office for the rest of my time in Marion with curriculum instruction. What was it about that that appealed Mm -hmm. to you, the, the curriculum side? Well, I, I like working with teachers. I like working with principals. I like working with parents about what should our programs and our curriculums look like, curriculum look like. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very much a public education person in that I believe public education is kind of the salvation of a democracy. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big, I mean, I'm not against private Schools, I think some of them do wonderfully well, but I'm a defender of public education. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that whole question around what is it we teach that's for the general good of everyone um, and how do we best deliver that instruction, that's the part of education I like. Um, I have a elementary principal's license. I have a secondary principal's license. Um, I I didn't want to spend half my time answering questions about why somebody stole their kid's tennis shoes from the the (laughs) locker room. (laughs) I wanted to spend my time not that that's a bad thing. Somebody has to do it. <laughs> I just, you just didn't want it to be you. I just you. decided it didn't need to be me. Mm-hmm. So I prefer the curriculum and instructional end. <clears throat> so I know um, recently I um, have attended a couple of Kiwanis meetings, mm-hmm. and I know uh, you're involved with some civic organizations in the community and still giving back. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into some of those networks and what those organizations mean to you and mean to the community? Well, I always was lucky enough to have superintendents or people that were my supervisors who really encouraged me to be involved in the community. Um, 
And I like that aspect. I like to know about my community, and I like to think that I'm giving back in some way. Um, probably the thing that's given me a little more flexibility in my retirement is I choose those more carefully. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I think when something happens to me, I would like to think that people think, yes, Carol may have been an educator. She may have been interested in politics, but her real thing is children mm-hmm. and teens. And so I now have the flexibility to choose what I do, and I choose things that are of benefit to children in this community. One of them is Kiwanis, um, but I've also been helped with family service. I love the Boys and Girls Club. Um, if it's serving children in the community, it's up your alley. It's got my backing. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. If I could speak into that a little bit too. Um, I'm, while I never had you in school, you were never my, you know, my teacher in the classroom, I would definitely list you on my list of mentors when it comes to, you know, volunteering in the community. Um, I sat on the Boys and Girls Club board with you for a number of years. You definitely mentored me through the secretary role. <laughs> I, I remember there was one day I called her, I said, Carol, and you know, this was, you know, she'd kind of pass the baton on to me. And I said, Carol, I was like, we're looking for this. And she's like, I think I have a copy of it. But once I give it to you, it's yours. <laughs> she said, I'm not taking that back. So definitely very fortunate to, to follow in, in very um, organized footsteps. So I'm, I'm appreciative for my time that I've got to work with you. And, and we work together um, with the auction that we put together for the Boys and Girls Club. So that was I, I was really impressed. I mean, I really had, she said, yes, let's do this together. Actually, I talked her into doing it with me is really, I think, what I <laughs> I am so easy to, for you ladies to talk me into things. I say I talked her into being here. I know. I was going to say, I think I talked her into coming alongside, and then and then she literally did the heavy lift. <laughs> I think I, I wrangled the committee members, but she wrangled everything else, and it was so impressive to watch, and Little did you know you were setting me setting me on a course for a later a later uh, role. <laughs> and I've watched you every sense with yeah. pride. Yeah. Iris. Oh, well, I am so grateful for you. I'm so so, mm-hmm. so that was my there wasn't a question in there. It was just I needed people <laughs> to hear um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, aside from those skills, there's there's definitely a lot of heart that comes behind that, too. And and so while I talk about some of those administrative things, but like you were also doing so many other things with regards to um I'm getting to a question or a statement. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I am always so interested in seeing, um, as you talk about when you first came here and, and creating like that social group, will you still have that social group, right? I do. Um, I love walking into Starbucks and seeing <laughs> the little group of, you know, retired teachers yeah. that still get together, whether, you know, maybe you can't make it every time, but we'll see you next time. But you, you guys have definitely still just stayed close and, um, I don't know. Is there anything you'd like to share about that? No. No. What happens at Starbucks yeah. stays at Starbucks. That is yeah. an invitation only <laughs> table. But, <laughs> but also with that though, that, I mean, you, and you took that group and you also engaged that group in a way that maybe, you know, they're not doing the same types of things you're doing, but you're also encouraging them to, to give back to the community and volunteering as well. 
actually retired teachers are very good at that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really, yes. I like to think that they are. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, I think when you go into those type of service areas like teaching or nursing and, you know, where you are taking care of the people that are around you, mm-hmm. that doesn't stop when you retire because it really is a part of who you are, yeah, right? It's your like, passion. So you want to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. And what I've appreciated about Carol, especially since I've known her and gotten to know her more since I've been at the United Way, is that I always know she has her eye on me. Like once she invests <laughs> in you, like she follows yeah, you, right? Yeah. Like she, and so I'll get like these, oh, I saw you in the newspaper, you know, when I bump into her at Sender, yeah. Starbucks or whatever. And so just to kind of know that like somebody out there is paying attention mm-hmm. to the work that you're doing, even when it's kind of, you and I sometimes have very, tough jobs that aren't recognized Mm -hmm. and Kylie's the same way, you know, we're kind of in the background doing a lot of work that isn't necessarily seen. And to know that Carol not only gets that, but that she is paying attention. um, The appreciation that comes from that is just amazing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, you were talking about how you built this network. There were lots of, you know, new teachers at the time you had administrators or bosses that encouraged you to connect into the community Do you think that that openness and encouragement to connect to your community is one of the things that maybe got you to stay here? Would you have been maybe more likely to move on had you not had that encouragement from the top down? Oh, I think it I think it definitely encouraged me to stay here. Um, I that it worries me a little bit with. I mean, I think there is a really good group of people in Marion that are active, kind of your age group in a way. Um, I worry about people new to the community and how we get them connected. And um, I think you have to connect to something, just like kids have to connect to something or someone. Uh, they don't have to be connected to everything or everyone, but they've got to really connect with someone. And I think I think anybody does. If you're going to make a place your home, you want to connect uh, to people your age, although they don't all have to be your age, um, or to organizations that are doing things that you want to do in the community. I, I mean, I think that's why all of your organizations are critical to reach out to new people and get them involved because I, I wouldn't have stayed. I, I can't think that I would have stayed. Um, but it didn't take long for me because there was a much bigger group of new people coming into the community all the time uh, that is less so now because it's a smaller community. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This episode of Where We Landed is sponsored by Nick McKinley State Farm and Mortgage Company, located right next to Marion High School on 26th Street. Nick loves this community and is always giving back by supporting things like this podcast. You can support this community, too, by purchasing your insurance through Nick. You get to enjoy State Farm's amazingly low rates and his team's remarkable customer service. And did we mention he can also help you get pre-approved for your next home loan or even refinance because Nick has teamed up with Rocket 
second mortgage. Nick McKinley State Farm is your one-stop shop. Give him a call or text at 765-674-BANK. That's 765-674-2265. Don't have time to talk on the phone? Send him an email at nick at nickhasmyback.com. Thank you, Nick McKinley State Farm and Mortgage Company for sponsoring today's podcast. Like a good neighbor, Nick McKinley State Farm is there. You've talked um, a little bit about some of the mentors when you first came. We've talked about the network of your kind of um, folks your age that were coming in, but... Can you name some names of mentors? <laughs> um, name you mentioned you, you mentioned, mentioned Jack. You mentioned Jack, oh, yeah. but but were there others that um, that names that folks might recognize or ha- have impacted you through the years? Gosh, there. Are, I mean, there. Are, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of wonderful people. Um, I, I Meyer David was one of my early superintendents mm-hmm. and. He, I couldn't have asked for better. Clark mm. Folgate, um, uh, Don Gregory at the high school, Jess Taylor. I mean, there are so many that mm. uh, Bobby Ownsby you get connected with. Mm-hmm. Teachers that, I mean, I learned so much from working with teachers. And I worked with wonderful teachers and mm. You know, once in a while that somebody would say, oh, but you brought us great leadership. And I'd say, yeah, but all I had to do is listen to the teachers who were teaching that. Mm-hmm. And they know what to do. Yeah. So if, for me, it was just giving them a chance to collect, think collectively and listen to them. And then I'm pretty good about putting things down on paper. Mm-hmm that mm-hmm. somebody else generates. So um, giving them the, the forum to use their voice well, yeah, and, teachers, and know that someone was listening to them. Yeah. And teachers don't have enough time to do that. Mm. I mean, people think teaching is just going into that classroom and at the end of the day you leave, but teachers need time to collaborate with other teachers and talk about what they're teaching and what works and what didn't work. And, um, so I, I think that's critical. Well, and I think the piece uh, with that, too, is that a lot of that is done outside of the normal workday, too. Um, I My husband is a teacher, and I know that I have, like, zero access to him in the middle of the day, as where, you know, the three of us can, you know, we can go to this training in the middle of the day, and we, we don't have a classroom full of ki- kids that have to be monitored right. and make sure no shoes are missing. <laughs> um, so, so I, I think that there definitely is a piece there where it's important to understand that um, so much more is given outside of the normal workday as a teacher that I don't think that there is a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Just a, an understanding or an appreciation for the amount of time that's given. So the role that you were in was probably super helpful for most of those teachers that you were working with when you were working through curriculum. It was lucky for me, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think the other thing about community that causes you to probably either stay or go in a community. um, I, I think there can be something that happens that focuses you on a issue in a community that, and I don't very often tell this story, but 
Nobody's I, listening. You yeah. sound like good, seem like good <laughs> listeners, <laughs> okay. I guess. But I, I mean, I obviously was very young. I was very new at teaching. Um, I think it was my first year, maybe my second year. Um, but I taught in seventh grade social studies a unit on civil rights, which was part of the curriculum at that point. I thought it went well. I thought I did a good job. I thought my kids seemed to respond well. And um, probably a week later, I got this packet in the mail from the Grant County Klan mm. um, with a number of things underlined and personal notes written to me. And I can't tell you what a shock that was, because in my mind, that was not what was happening at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But obviously, it was. So from someone who grew up in a very white rural area, it it really made me think about that issue and that issue in a city like Marion. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you look back at the history in the early 70s in Marion, racial unrest was yeah. very much an issue. Um, so I guess in the other um aspect of what seemed important to me to stay was then as a teacher, I wanted to always make sure that that was not something that was in the past, something I needed to be very aware of as I worked with kids and students and organizations in this community. And obviously, it's a problem we don't have solved at this point. Mm -hmm. No. But it was, I guess you build a friend base. I liked my job and I felt like there were issues here that maybe in some small way I could help with. Yeah. I think that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing, a theme that's kind of come up with different guests is the feeling that that um, Grant County is is small enough that you can have an impact on an issue that's so large like like that and like what you were facing, but but you feel like okay, well, I can have I can make a difference here um, where maybe you don't feel that way about a in a larger community. Yeah, we've had several guests that have kind of talked about Marion's just big enough to have those big social issues and social problems, but small enough that you can be here and make that impact mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and you were talking about liking a diverse community. So here you've come from a very, you know, white Southern Wells community into to Mary. And I've talked about how going to Marion community schools, I had a very diverse friend network um, the years that I graduated. And I know Iris feels the same way. So um, yeah, do you, do you feel like you said you wanted to stay to have that kind of impact? Do you feel like you had an impact? Um, I would say I, f- I would tell you I had an impact in my profession. 
mm. with people I worked with. Um, there are things I think about that I did that I think, oh my gosh, I would love to be able to do that over knowing what I know today. Um, but yeah, I think I had an impact on the people I worked with and the kids I came in contact with. And I, I think that incident made me much more alert to what some of, of the kids in my classroom, what they were thinking, what they were going through. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I guess in that way I made an impact. Um, I don't think I was a, I, I wasn't ever a community activist. Like I see Tori Williams and some young women today, which mm -hmm. I think are doing wonderful things. Mm -hmm. um, but in my own little, in, your way. in my yeah. own way, in my own little house, well, I guess. But I think that's important to point out too, because when we think impact, we immediately assume it has to be this, you know, giant and if mm. it's not this huge and has all these numbers to back it, then it's then it's not worth reporting, right? And and really the impact comes in those small wins or those teeny tiny every single day. So hearing you share that story, I immediately went right back to what you said. You said ec education is a direct line to democracy too. Um, so I, I think that's that's huge, right? And how those pieces all go together and then how how it can build into what's happening right here in our own little town too. So just being able to give those kids that knowledge and whether you've shared that story about receiving that information from the Grant County clan, did you say like what year that was? What year was that? Well, it was probably 69. 69. Okay. Um, Which that's, I mean. Actually, um, Bill Munn had students at Marion High School that, did pieces of research I love Bill and mm -hmm. put those in the museum and mm -hmm. the library here in town. Right. And he had a student that one time interviewed me about that oh. situation. And I had kept all the material mm -hmm. thinking, what am I ever going to do with this? But then as part of this student's research, I think that material is probably still in the Marion Public Library. So, mm -hmm. well, and you talked about, I mean, it, your impact, you said you worked with like a lot of in your professional world, you made an impact. Absolutely. You impacted all of those adults that then became the educators, right? And the curriculum that was going out and that type of thing. So, even if you weren't physically in the classroom, you were still passing on that vision and hope for, you know, sharing the whole story of what that looks like. So I think it's really impressive. I just feel bad that that happened. You know what I mean? Like that type of stuff just breaks my heart. Well, I think it's a reminder that yeah. mm -hmm. when you're teaching social studies, you can sometimes assume that you're just teaching history and um, you're not. I mean, it, it's, it's history that's living and, and breathing and return, you know, it's happening right here, you know, every day. And it is part of history. Mm -hmm. I mean, I should have known that at the time, but I was pretty naive and thought, no, that's pat, we're past that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't think we should be sad about that. That's part of history. It's part of the way this country has developed. Um, 
it's just not pleasant to go back and think about. But well, and that wanna, doesn't mean we shouldn't. Right. Um, you don't want to, you want to hope that that doesn't still exist. Right. We don't want to get stuck there. I can, you know, picture that being a situation that will probably still happen today. Like the clan still exists today. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one of these days we'll all grow up, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. on our way. Yeah. <laughs> We're on our way. So Carol, um, to switch some gears. So we also like to find out like, what are some of your favorite things to do in Grant County? Like, where do you like to go? Where do you like to spend time? Where do you like to dine? Um, I was going to say, I'm, I'm really good with restaurants. All right. <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> I, th- I think we need to start asking like your Ivanhoe's ice cream order too. We've done right. that a few times, but we, we forget. Um, I, I'm, I like to go out and eat. Mm-hmm. I like to go out and eat with friends. I'm the ones you won't tell us about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even tell them I was doing this, so oh. I, I don't want we're, to hear. We're going to show up with our mics at Starbucks. Uh, well, there's times. a few of them that are on our list. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we well, know who you good are. Good luck with that. So, um, I I think there's a lot to do in Grant County mm-hmm. um, and close. Um, I like Honeywell. I like some of the shows uh-huh. they bring in. I have tickets to Indianapolis Symphony, so I go there on a fairly regular basis. Um, I like to try new restaurants. I like to travel. I was very into international travel before the pandemic. Yes. I hope to be back into international travel again. Oh, there's your partner, Kylie. Um, <laughs> Sharon Bailey was one of my... Yeah, yeah I was going to mention her. She's yeah. on our list. She's she, on our list. Um, as Senorita Bailey. <laughs> she was pretty wonderful to travel with to Cuba. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere where they speak Spanish. Yes. Lost, but she was very helpful. So, Where are some of the other places that you've traveled internationally? Well, I've been to most of Europe. Uh, the Caribbean, China, Norway, Spain, Cuba. Awesome. Did we hear your favorite in there? Which one, which one is your favorite? Which one did you just, I love it, I want to move here. You know, I rarely say that. Oh, I okay. always say. I think I say it after every vacation. I, so. loved, <laughs> I love this vacation, but I wouldn't want to live here. Mm-hmm. The one place I didn't say that was Bordeaux, France. And I almost think I could, except my French is not any better than my Spanish. (laughs) But other than that, I could almost live in Bordeaux, France, and I loved Portugal. Portugal. All right. Kylie travels internationally. I just started right before. I started at a really inopportune time. I started right before the pandemic. Like February, March before the pandemic. <laughs> like yeah. the two days February. before I travel yeah. uh, shut down. Yeah. But but I have a list I ha- of places I want to go now. But I still have a list. Yeah. I don't think you, if you like it, you never run out of a list. Yeah. Because you meet people. I don't know. You travel with travel companies, I assume. And, and you meet people on those trips. And so you ask them where they've been. And, and they give you three more places to add yes. to your list. And yeah. And there are plenty of places to see in this country that absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I've had some friends internationally that are surprised at how physically big the United States mm-hmm. is. They're like, "Surely you've been to the Grand Canyon?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like driving from you know, yeah, 
the top of Germany to the bottom of Italy, like it's quite a bit further. So, yeah, but well, Carol, our time is is drawing to close. But one question we always ask before we go um, is to give us your recommendations of things that you are reading or watching or listening to if you like podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) um i i would tell you the best book i've read in a long time is uh delia owens where the crawdads sing oh yeah i just finished that Um, the the orange cover book (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i'm waiting for the movie which is due out in Mm -hmm. july Mm -hmm. except I sometimes get very disappointed. Yes. Books are always better. Yeah. Because they, they are not on the screen the way I visualize <laughs> them. That's how I felt about Harry Potter. Yeah. But I thought she was an incredible writer mm-hmm. uh, for her first fiction work, mm-hmm. especially. Um, my favorite TV show at the moment is This Is Us, which I <laughs> will cry at the end <laughs> yeah. of the season. I'm refusing to finish it. Seriously. Like, I'm refusing. I don't want it to end. Uh, The new show that I like that I'm hoping comes back on next season is Ordinary Joe. Oh, I don't know that one. Nobody. Um, it, It is one of those that helps you, makes you look at life, um, with the notion that if I had just made a slightly different choice mm. at any one point in my life, mm. how different it might have turned out. Mm. And I'm kind of fascinated by that notion that, it's interesting. That, that everything we decide to do seems so small. But it affects future choices. Yeah, yeah. Once you make that decision, you can't typically go back. So... Yeah. What would have been like if you'd made the other choice that day? Ordinary Joe. Ordinary Joe. It was just on, just started in the fall and was on for the fall season. The fall season. But I thought it was really good. But I like, I like thinking about that premise. So that's interesting. Yeah. I like that. Carol, thank you so much for coming on. I know I twisted your arm to be here, so <laughs> I really appreciate it. And we- you ladies are hard to turn down. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Put that in the memory bank. Well, um, thank you again for everyone coming and listening uh, to Where We Landed. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe to get those notifications when new episodes come out, um, which come out every Thursday. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Today's podcast was engineered by Kyra Montero of Frequency Canvas.